2: You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner, Steve Harmison. And what a show we've got lined up for you today. Obviously, we'll be looking ahead to England's two-test series against New Zealand as the English summer begins. And we'll hear from Jimmy Anderson, Ashley Giles, and likely test debutant Ollie Robinson, as well as Tom Latham from the Black Caps camp. As well as that, we'll take a look back at round eight of the county championship. So without further ado, let's get into the show. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport Two. Army, I'm very, very excited about this uh, two-match series against New Zealand. Two Test matches don't usually excite me, but uh, this, I think, is an extremely strong New Zealand team. Um, we're going to get to see some new faces in the England lineup, but uh, the New Zealanders are not just strong; they're exciting. I think, they're, I think they're box office more, perhaps, than they ever have been before. Yeah, I think that's the thing, more than they
3: ever have been before. I would say there were always workmen-like, they were always, they were always in, up for a challenge, in your face, but without having, you know, the big superstar. Um, they had good players, some fantastic players, and they were a great team, and you felt as though you were playing against a team, a proper team. But now they've got superstars, you know, they've got superstars, the, the likes of, you know, and... You know, you see in the IPL the way Trent Bolt bowls Wagner with the ball. Even if there's nothing happening at the surface, he makes something happen. And you, when you've got a lineup with Keir Williamson and Ross Taylor in it, um, you're always going to you're always going to get runs. So for me, they're at the top of the rankings. The top of the rankings for a reason because they've beat everybody, and rightly so. They're going to play the Test World Championship with India, and it's going to be a massive test for England, especially without their their IPL players and it's a series where you you just possibly wanted another Test match. You wanted that third Test match. You wanted New Zealand win at Lords, which normally happens. The overseas team's wins at Lords, and England going win at Baston. You just you just want that little bit more. So it's disappointing. It's only two Test matches, but I, I think it's it's all set up, especially at Edgebasing when the crowd's back in. I think it's going to be a fantastic series.
2: New Zealand cricket has been damned with faint praise over the years, hasn't it? I mean, how many times have we said, "Oh, they punch above their weight"? Exactly. Yeah. It, it, and uh, but it's not just not the case now. No, it's not. And let's say you see the players that that play in the IPL are
3: constantly top of the uh, one year rankings with players that in the top ten. You know, quite a few of their players, and uh, as well now in the in the Test uh, rankings as well. So. They are, they're at the top table for a reason. Um, they're not punching above their weight. They're a very, very good, strong side, well-led side by Kane Williamson. And if England aren't at their best, England will lose. And that is, when you look at it, if England lose against New Zealand, and you think with India around the corner, then the Ashes, you know, they need to get into good habits. And a good habit is winning, a winning habit. Top three scoring runs, bowlers taking wickets, making it hard, for this rest and rotation policy to come in when it's when it's your turn to rest because you're just getting a five for it, You're just getting a hundred. So, you know, the selection panel's putting pressure on all the time. And I think that's how important England's starting. They've got to start with a win. They've got to start with a win at Lords to give themselves momentum going throughout this summer. But England have got some inexperience in there. They've got a top order, which I think could be got out. If I was a bowler in this New Zealand side, I'd be licking my lips to bowl, at England's top order. I'd think, right, I can, I can make early inroads. I can get their best player in while the ball's moving, if the ball moves at all. You know, you don't know what you're going to get at Lords when it comes to surface and overhead conditions. But if I was a, if I was a bowler, I'd be thinking, right, I quite fancy bowling at England's top order, which then exposes Root, and then there's some inexperience coming after after the England captain. So I do believe this as a team. New Zealand will fancy themselves against england 's batting lineup
2: okay we 've got a lot to get through. Um, lots of interviews. One of the new faces that we mentioned um, who is likely to make his te- his uh, test debut is ollie robinson um, we 've spoken a lot about him through um, the course of the championship. I know you 're a big big fan he 's twenty seven years old now he 's been around he-, he knows his game. Um, he's had some ups and downs. He's a very, very honest character. He was talking to TalkSport a little earlier this week and said it's as difficult as ever to break into the England team. It's been tough in a way. Um, obviously, we've got so much bowling, so much depth at, at the
4: moment that it's, it's been hard to, to get in. Um, and I've had to fight maybe harder than I would have in previous years to, to get to this place. But I think from a team point of view, it, it's great to have this many quality, world-class quality bowlers um, around you and... It just keeps you improve. It makes you improve every day. You know you can't slip up at any any time, and you always have to give a hundred percent and try and be the best bowler on show almost. Um, and obviously, the, the knowledge you learn off the likes of Jimmy and Brody is, in, is invaluable, especially at this level.
5: And how important is it for you? Forget the Test cricket, forget playing for England, just to carry on your form that you've had so far this summer. Because I presume when a fast bowler's in form and confidence, all they want to do is just keep bowling overs.
4: Yeah, definitely. Especially myself. I'm someone that I don't really like to stop bowling. Um, even in the winter, I try and bowl sort of every four or five days just to keep the body ticking over. And it's, it's the same in the summer. You get on a roll, you get in good form, you just want to play cricket and you just want to keep bowling. So it's, it's huge. And for myself personally, it's, it's def- definitely something that I, I need to keep doing and, and keep bowling to keep momentum.
5: And just finally for me, uh, we know... You play at Sussex with, with Joffre. Have you spoken to Joffre since he's he's had his surgery and is he in good spirits? Yeah,
4: I've seen him. He's fine, yeah. He's the off point well. Um, he's fairly he's fairly happy for Joffre, which is good. Um so yeah, he's in good spirits. He's he can't wait to get back back in England shirt. And I know from from being quite close to him that he's gonna come back better than ever. So it's a, it's it's a tough few weeks for him, but I you know he's in good
2: spirits and looking forward to having him back that was Ollie robinson speaking uh, to talksport a little bit earlier this week another new face is james bracey he'll make his england debut at number 7 terrific story again he spent a year in a bubble basically yeah.
0: he's
2: um, you know he's been he's been mr reserve he's so he knows his way around the uh, the england setup but he's thinking he spent a year thinking well you know there's butler bairstow and folks ahead of me maybe i might get a chance as a specialist batsman and now, suddenly, all the stars have aligned. And he's, well, he's not going to be batting in the top order because he's going to be batting at seven and keeping wicket. Yeah, and it's going to be great,
3: great for, for young James to go and play and make your debut at Lord's. fantastic experience. First test match. And he makes England's middle order, I think, that little, just that little bit stronger. Talking about him playing as a specialist batsman, possibly an opener, more likely to be a number three. Um, if anything happened with form or injury with with um, Burns Sibley or, or, or Crawley. So that just makes I think England's middle order just that little bit stronger. so the, the option I have to have the option of number eight being a, a little bit more batten oriented or the batten oriented comes into the you know the, the, the way you select this side. Might not be the case anymore. So you know, I wish him well. I hope he has a, a great debut, a great debut at Lord's, because if he does have a good debut and he does well against New Zealand, boy, does that put the cat among the pigeons for the selection panel. Because do you bring Butler back? That everybody talks about is England's you know go-to man as a waykeeper, number seven, scoring runs down the order, free spirit. There we go. He hasn't done that the way England, I think, would like to have. But in the last year or so, Joss Butler's really come to his own in, in in that department from the gloves. He kept brilliantly in the winter. Absolutely brilliant, Joss Butler, in the winter. If he, he's batting comes, he's a fantastic batter. But if Bracey goes and gets runs, then all of a sudden, that average of 33, 34, that Butler's got and bearstow has got it just it must might be questioned and whether you fit them in if brissy starts to look as though he is going to make that number seven witty keeper sport of his own so he's getting a, a chance of a debut through a little bit of not a you know, misfortune of somebody else but sometimes that little bit of element of your luck that you need when you see the stars aligned in the right way and um if he takes his chance then not only is it good for england good for that middle order but also it's a little headache for the selection panel because come India, you're going to have five or six IPL players knocking on your door. And if England go well and do well against New Zealand, then all of a sudden, well, the IPL players are back. But in the last year, England have lost test matches. So it'll be who, you know, who keeps their shirt and who gets rested and rotated. So good luck to James and then fingers crossed he goes well.
2: Are we not making too much of uh, of who bats at eight? I mean, questions questions about England having a long tail. I mean, goodness me, uh, you know, I mean, Jack Leach can bat. I mean, I, I I don't think it's a it's a long tail, is it? I think there are a few teams around the world who be looking at that, thinking you think that's a long tail. <laughs> yeah, I I agree.
3: I think, it, but I think there is there is an element that Jack Leach. I think you could get away with Jack Leach at nine. I just think at eight you probably want. Just that little bit better option, but I was blessed and fortunate. You're going you're to hear hear from him later on in the show. Jack Leach got 90 against against Ireland. I don't see Jack Leach getting too many 50s. Where Ashley Giles got 50. You got you got a couple of 50s for England. He was more of a solid batsman at number eight when I was playing. I look at I look at this this batting unit again, like the top three. If I was a fast bowler and I had the ball in my hand and I seen Jack Leach coming in at number eight. I'd be thinking where well, we can mop this tail up if we've got a specialist, a, a gun fast bowler or a, a, you know a mystery spinner. I'd fancy myself, and that's just the, that's just my gut feeling. So I, I think I think what you're going to find with a bowler, they'll probably play one Test match, possibly one Test match each, in you know Overton, Robinson, Wood, Broad, Anderson, and they rotate that way. Um, I would love to see. I would honestly, I would love England to go. All guns blazing, first test match would Anderson Broad because you've got the experience and the movement of, of Jimmy. You're out and that fast bowler, and Jack Leach at number eight, which lengthens the tail. But I wouldn't be wouldn't be wanting to worry about that. Not for me. Batters get runs, bowlers get wickets. But I would imagine the selection panel will have a, a little bit of doubt in their mind that we possibly
2: need a Robinson or an Overton at number eight. I said we'd hear from the Black Caps camp. Tom Latham confirmed uh, a little earlier this week that uh, New Zealand are not treating the two tests against England as a warm-up for the World Test Championship, which of course comes afterwards. From our point of view, uh, we head into every series
4: trying to to win that, and and this series is no different against England. Uh, even though we do have the final after this series for us, it's about you know try, trying to win win two tests away from home. We understand how. How good England are away from home. Um, they're such a quality side. They've got um, world class performers throughout their lineup, and you know even though there might be a few changes in their squad, we know how threatening they can be in their own conditions. So for us, it's about, and we're certainly not taking them lightly, it's for us, it's about trying to play our brand of cricket and and try and prove it day, day by day. And if we can do that, then hopefully that will give ourselves
2: a good chance. Uh, and then obviously, after that series uh, is the final, which, which is exciting too. Um, as promised, it's time now to hear from England's all time leading wicket taker, one of the all time greats, Jimmy Anderson, who believes, believe it or not, that he can still get better as he approaches his 39th birthday. Jimmy will surpass Sir Alastair Cook's England Test record of 161 caps should he play in both of the matches against New Zealand. And he spoke exclusively to Talk Sports' Scott Taylor. So, Jimmy, thanks for
5: joining us on Talk Sport. Your partner today with, with LV, they've, they've launched the In With Heart campaign ahead of the, the two test series against New Zealand. And I guess the fact that James Bracey and Ollie Robinson are, are two lads that could potentially make their debut shows just how important grassroots cricket still is to English cricket.
6: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's vital. I think certainly after the, the 12 months we've had, seeing people getting back into into cricket, it's amazing. Uh, it's where I started. It's what helped me fall in love with the game. So uh, to see money getting put back into that is really, really good.
5: And also the fact that obviously we've been in a pandemic. So how much credit do the ECB actually need to get in that aspect for making sure those series against the West Indies and Pakistan and South Africa later in the year actually went ahead so that people could still have cricket to watch?
6: Yeah, I think they've done an amazing job, uh, certainly that last summer, getting cricket on when, um, you know, there wasn't much else happening in, in the country, I think was was brilliant. And to do it so safely as well, when in a worrying time for everyone was, uh, yeah, it was was incredible. So um, they deserve a lot of credit for that.
5: And did you feel the extra responsibility as players? Was that always in the back of your mind of whether well, there's more responsibility on us to potentially put on a show for those who who can't go out during this time?
6: Yeah, definitely. I th- but I think we always feel like that. We always feel responsibility to, you know, we, we try and entertain people with the way we play. Uh, we want to make people come and watch us, and whether it's turning on their TV, put turn on the radio, or coming in, in person now that they can. So it's that's that's uh, something that we feel all the time. We want to we want to try and make people proud as well. We know how how passionate people are about uh, English cricket. So every time we step on the field, that's what we try and do.
5: And I'm sure you're used to having millions of people watching the streams, watching yourself in the ground as well. But have you spoken to the the boys at Lancashire? Because this year we've seen the increase in streaming and obviously do they feel like there's more, not pressure on them, but do they feel there's more presence in their game and they're being watched a lot more?
6: Yeah, I think the the streaming's been brilliant. We, we've actually been rained off quite a bit. So we've been watching a lot of cricket on on the streams, which, which is great, yeah. And I think... Uh, Again, it it, it does. It just adds to that sort of responsibility that you feel as a, as a player. You know, playing for Lancashire, we, we know how passionate um, people are in Lancashire for, for cricket. We, we've seen this week with the Roses game, as soon as people are allowed back in the ground, you know, the, the limit of tickets has been sold out. So it, it's it's just that, yeah, coming back to that responsibility that we, we feel we, we, we want to entertain, we want to win games of cricket to, to try and put smiles on faces.
5: Hopefully the days of limited crowd should be over shortly which leads me on to my next point it was announced earlier this week 18,000 at Edgbaston for the second test how much are you looking forward to having the Barmy Army back?
6: Yeah well I mean Edgbaston is is uh, an amazing place to play cricket and particularly uh, international cricket that sort of yeah the, the Barmy Army fancy dress at the weekends you know it's just Incredible, uh, and there's, if, if there's nothing happening on the field with the cricket, there's generally something happening off it uh, in the crowd. So it'd be great to, to see people back. Uh, it'd be great to hear the the Barmy Army in full voice as well. It's something that we always look forward to as, as England players to, to hear them singing our songs. So um, yeah, can't wait to, to, to see that.
5: And you mentioned you've had a few games rained off for lanks. How are you feeling personally ahead of the the India series, ahead of the New Zealand series? you feeling well. You're feeling like you've had enough cricket in the tank.
6: Yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, obviously, I'd have liked a little bit more cricket, but that's uh, it's just the nature of playing cricket in England. I'm feeling really good, feeling fresh, feeling fit. Yeah, as I said, I would have liked a few more overs, but that's just uh, it's not not happened. Uh, I have to make make do with bowling in the nets. Maybe an extra couple of spells in the nets this week um, before we play. You know, it's it's one of those things. That I. I we didn't play too much cricket before the Sri Lanka series, so I'm not too worried about the amount of cricket I've played. I feel like the 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 important bit is that I'm fit and, and ready to go.
5: And you've probably done several interviews today where a lot of people have probably mentioned, oh, you're thirty nine this year. Does that sort of does that frustrate you that the first thing people think of is your age rather than rather than Jimmy still bowling well? Yeah.
6: Uh, well, you're, you're the first person to mention it today. Um, but, um, I mean, it is it is what it is. Like, people are going to mention it. I, I guess it's not normal for someone to, to play at this level, at this age, um, because people keep mentioning it, so it, it mustn't be the norm. You know, you've seen people make a big deal out of Phil Mickelson winning a, a major at 50, which is incredible. You know, you, you look around the world and there's so many people there are more people than you think playing longer you know into into maybe even the 40s so for me people are going to talk about it that's there's nothing I can do about that all I can do is try and stay fit you know I still absolutely love playing cricket I feel like I've got a lot to give this this team I feel like I can still bowl at this level I feel like I can get better even so um as long as I feel like that I'm gonna you know keep going.
5: I guess your exhibit A would be to point towards Darren Stevens at Kent, still at 45, scoring big hundreds for his county. Do you see yourself playing way into your 40s? Um, you never know.
6: I'm not sure I'd get to 45, but um, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a good go. <laughs> yeah, it's what, I mean, I just think, like, for me, I've, I, I do think you have to work harder at your fitness. Uh, you have to work a little bit harder at that to try and stay fit as you get older the odd niggle does creep in a little bit more. So it's something that I've, I'm conscious of. And, and I, I do try and work a lot harder on that side of things. But who knows like how long we've gone for? You know, it's, it's I, I, as I said before, I feel fit and strong. As long as I'm bowling well and taking wickets and, and justifying my place in the team, then uh, I'll keep doing it.
5: Now this summer could be quite a significant one for you. You could surpass Sir Alistair's... Record in terms of test caps for England. What's your what's your drive? What's your want every morning when you get out of bed? I don't,
6: I don't really, I don't really, think, <laughs> I don't really set goals or anything. One thing that I've 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 always wanted to do is is be the best at what I do, and I guess I, I feel like I'm not there yet. So I, that's why I get out of bed every morning. I want to be better than I was yesterday. I want to be fitter than I was yesterday. I want to be a better bowler than I was. So everything I do is geared towards that. And essentially, like the reason I, I turn up here to play for England is because I want to win games of cricket. I want to experience test victories, te- series wins, uh, and share those experiences with, with my teammates. So I guess that's why I get out of bed.
5: And does it motivate you more, given the the strength in depth in, in the fast bowling department in English cricket at the moment? You've obviously got the likes of Stuart, Mark, Ollie Stone, but then you've got, Ollie Robinson, Craig Overton, Chris Wokes—the list is endless.
6: Yeah, we've got good strength and depth at the minute, and I think that's great. You know, we've, it's great for a number of reasons. It's good because if you know there are injuries that, that bowlers get, and you need that, you need, you need adequate replacements. We might rotate as well. We play a lot of cricket, so we, we've seen that rotation has been a, a thing that we've used in, in the last twelve months. So, bringing someone of quality in is, is important. And I think also it does keep you on your toes as well. As a, as a senior bowler that's played quite a lot, when you see these guys coming through uh, and pushing you, uh, it makes you work harder and, and work, keep working on, on your fitness, keep working on the, your skills in the nets and making sure that you're doing everything you can to keep these guys out of the team.
5: You mentioned injuries there. I want to ask you one quickly on, on Jofra, who's obviously undergone his surgery on his elbow. As a fast bowler yourself, is, is there a concern given the the amount of trouble he's had with his elbow? And is there a concern that could potentially restrict what he wants to do with his cricket in terms of playing test cricket, so forth, so on and so forth?
6: Yeah, well, I guess that's that's hard to say right now because we, we we don't know how he's going to recover from this. It might be... You know the best thing that he's done, and he could come back stronger and, and never feel, it, never have a problem with it again, and be able to play every form of the game. So it's something that we'll have to I say. We I'm not, i probably won't be involved in the process. It'll be the medical team, the people that actually know what they're doing, um, that will guide him through the, the recovery, make sure he comes back as strong as he possibly can, um, and they'll make a judgment on on anything like that um, nearer the time. Um, but for, from an English point of view. English fans point of view um we need Jofra Archer back and, and firing as as we've seen him in the in the last couple of years since he started playing international cricket you know he's come on the scene with his pace and his skills uh and he's been amazing to watch and uh, an amazing player to have in the team so we need him fit and firing we've got a T20 World Cup and the Ashes this year which would be amazing if he, he'd be fit for for both or at least one of those because yeah we, uh an England team with Jofra in it is a lot stronger.
5: And just finally for me, you mentioned the Ashes there, but you've got a big summer of cricket in in England first and foremost. And with this young squad, how important is it that they continue to learn from the the bad experiences in India to only get better as players this summer? Well, yeah, I, I
6: mean, you've got to learn from everything, you know, every game that you play. You, you've got to learn as an in international cricket. You've got to do it quickly. You know, we've got. People keep talking about the Ashes. We've got seven tests before the Ashes and we want to win all of them. We want to win every series that we play in. And you only get better as a team by winning games of cricket. So to to, to put us in the best position we possibly can be going into the Ashes series, we need to focus heavily on, on this summer, focus on these two tests against New Zealand on a really strong New Zealand team, uh, which is going to be tough for us. Uh, and then India, who beat us in the winter, You know, it's, again, going to be a really tough series. So if we can get through those and win those, that'll put us in a great position going into Australia.
2: Jimmy Anderson speaking there after appearing with uh, his England teammates in the LV Insurance launch video, In With Heart, celebrating England's cricket community. He sounded remarkably cheerful. I don't mean that to be a, a damning with faint praise, but he was in a really good mood and we... Uh, you know, we 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 see grumpy Jimmy on the field, but he just looks and sounds like he's loving the game as much as ever.
3: Yeah, and it's great. It's great to see because, you know, when we look at it, he's, he's closer to the end than he was, than he is at the start. And I think that, I think sometimes relaxes you more. You know that, you know, because you haven't got long left, you make the most of it. You enjoy what you've got left. And Jimmy Anderson, Sir Alistair Cook... Stuart Broad, Stuart Broad, their longevity was ridiculous. The way they looked after their bodies, um, their mindset, their humbleness, their ability to perform under pressure, on the given day, and to still be involved and around the team, seeing the right things and the messages that they are, um, is why they are not only all-time great, um, but you know, the, the, for me, the individual people is what makes them the cricketers they are, because they are, they're quite grateful for what they've got. Very, very humble in the way they, the way the outlook of you know people from around them and when their team needs them, they often perform. And that's what Jimmy Anderson's done for many, many years. And I hope he gets through to the end of the ashes. I hope there's not an injury that, that, that ends his career because, you know, you were worrying a little bit in South Africa that Jimmy's body might just be slowing down and breaking down and he might not, might not get through. But I also hope that when he does finish, the crowds are allowed back into the ground, and he walks off, whether it's at the Oval or walks off wherever, um, because he, he deserves a massive ovation because and respect for what he's done for English cricket. And you mentioned their manners. Yeah, that's as chirpy as I've heard Jimmy Anderson before a first Test match in the series. You, know, you don't normally get two or three words out of Jim. Um, and you don't get it with a smile. So, you know, he must have been in a good mood or he had a little bit of wind or something like that. But no, it's fantastic. It's great to hear him wanting to get better, the messages he's sending to the rest of the dressing room. And he's still got, I, think, I still believe he's got at least one more good summer in him, if not two. And I think if he does that, he's already set a record of wickets that nobody any, would get anywhere near in England.
2: Who'd have thought that England's leading or most cat player would be a a fast bowler. Ridiculous, Mabel. isn't it? It is. It's crazy. Um, the other thing is that he sounds like he's genuinely bought into the rotation policy now. I mean, he um, he didn't say it in exactly as many words, um, but if you, if you asked him directly, do you want to play in every Test match between now and the end of the Ashes? He would say no. I think he would say. I think he would say he'd want to.
3: But he he, he, he can't. And and that's the most important thing now. I'm still undecided how good this wrestling rotation policy is. But I think it's very, very good for somebody like Jimmy Anderson to get... If we can keep Jimmy Anderson in the dressing room for another two years, a year and a half, then the England dressing room will be a better place. Because every time you go out and you make plans, or you're trying to bowl and get 20 wickets, if you've got Jimmy's knowledge, his know-how... Whether he's on the field or he's not, he's not playing because he's having a rest. Then I think that is just invaluable. The problem is you've got somebody like Stuart Broad alongside him, and I hate putting the two of them together because Stuart Broad's got three or four years on Jimmy Anderson, age-wise. Um, but they do get pigeonholed and put together. They're very, very similar when you go away from home, and I think because of that, I think that's where the rest of the rotation policy works. Because you still keep their knowledge, you still keep them in the dressing room, and you still keep one of them on the pitch, and you're a better team for that. But in England, they can both play on the same side. And that's the challenge for the Ashes in the winter going. But if you give me India, best team, well, second best team in the world, I think, in the rankings, New Zealand, best team in the world in the rankings, Fit Fryer and Fresh, Broad and Anderson, I pick them every time, every time. And I put a fast lad with them. And I think that is the conundrum for the selection pause panel to pick the right bowling unit the people to go are the people to go with Broaden anderson because even though Jimmy's 39
2: he's still the best bowler that we've got in English conditions uh, bar none. Endorse that so England take on New Zealand in the first test at Lord's starting this Wednesday but next up we review what has been another brilliant week of county championship action you're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket
0: That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com.
1: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to
2: The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you missed any of the show so far or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed. Now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I just don't know where to begin. Um, uh, you know, uh, Leicestershire won. Surrey ended Gloucestershire's unbeaten start with, a, with an uh, innings victory. Lancashire are now the only undefeated team, winning their first Roses match at Old Trafford for 21 years. Wow. Worcestershire bounced back from a disastrous last week to win again. Warwickshire beat Nottingham by 170 runs in a drama-filled finish on the end of the fourth day when Danny Briggs... Oh, I don't know, Essex beat Durham inside three days. Harmy, so many stories. I mean, uh, some really, really good cricket, some not-so-good cricket. Where do you want to start?
3: Um, oh, it has to be. I've, I've been a bit disrespectful to them in the first couple of weeks um, and tell everybody that, that fancy filling their boots against Leicestershire. But well done, Nico. Honestly, well done, Mayor. Absolutely brilliant. Leicestershire win. Um, I'm really pleased for Paul Nixon, the coach and the, the whole Leicestershire team because what a win that was. A fantastic win at their I mean, home. They,
2: they got bowled out for 136. 136
3: and then, They get bowled and out. And we're out thinking,
2: here we go again
3: cheers 378. Absolutely fantastic. It was a great partnership, a fantastic partnership for the fourth wicket by with Harris and Ackerman. Fantastic partnership. Harris 185. Um, and it was, to be honest, Nico, there were 70, there were there were 84, was it 86 for seven in the first innings? And um, Parkinson and Wright put on. What did they put on? They put on nearly 40 well, odd runs, which is a huge, huge number in the context of uh, of the game, 136 first innings all out. So I know you like your, your tail wagging and getting runs, but no, no, great win, fantastic win. Credit where it deserves. Uh, Leicester fans will be very, very happy to be back at Grace Road watching games and to see their team win for the first time against, uh, against Middlesex, who... To be fair, on a, a bit of trouble themselves, they've they've not looked like scoring runs all season. Managed to get, you know, nearly 300 first innings, nearly 220 second innings, but to concede 378 on the fourth innings, um, they'll be disappointed. But take nothing away, Leicester, absolutely magnificent. Well done, Paul Nixon, uh, and well done, well done the Leicester boys.
2: Leicestershire moved from uh, sixth in group two up to fifth. All right, quickly on to Surrey then, who um, won by an innings and 47 runs against Gloucestershire. Hashim Amla's 173 is obviously uh, a massive highlight there for Surrey. I told you he'd, he was past his best. But a shout out to our old mate, Gareth Batty, because Gloucestershire bowled out for 158 and 268 uh, with um, Bats' spinning boys, uh, Amar Verdi, four for 96. And left-arm spinner Daniel Moriarty has taken 25 wickets in his first three first-class games. He's only played three first-class games. He took six for 60 in uh, the second innings. So uh, bats has obviously got the tweakers working. He's got the tweakers working. Yeah, he's
3: got the you know the, the batsman are scoring runs, and if you get runs on the board, gives the spinners a chance to to play and get in the game. Gloucester obviously lost Bracey huge for them. That's a big big miss for for, for Bracey, but. You know, a, a massive innings for, for Hashim Amla. Um and yeah, you're right, Moriarty, First game, I think, of the summer. Um, and two very, very young, inexperienced, has um experienced bowlers in Verdi and Moriarty of getting so uh, getting Surrey a, a win by win by an innings. And you know, they'll be bats will be very, very happy. But I like the little bits I've seen of young Moriarty. He looks as though he's he's got a nice steady action, he looks comfortable at the crease. He doesn't have too many moving parts. It's quite smooth. So there's one to watch there. I know bats rates them really, really highly. Um, and six for what was that six for sixty in the first innings of a first-class match? Yeah, you know, fair play. So good luck to him because I'm, I'm I'm sure I'm sure bats. Will, you know what bats is like. He'd be you know, be giving them the right information. He'd be challenging them
2: like he yeah, he does. And um, I'm pleased for them. If people haven't heard of uh, Moriarty, it's because he grew up in South Africa. He was born in Surrey, but like mm. David Milan, he grew up in South Africa and actually played for South Africa under-19s in uh, in 2016 um, before relocating back to England. OK, um, Worcestershire, uh, winning by an innings and 23 runs against uh, Derbyshire. Good, solid, strong You know, runs on the board, 421 of them, and then um, bowled Derby out twice, which was quite quite simple really
3: yeah middle order middle order strength uh, you look at ed barnard coming in at number 8 gets 90 along with Jack Cairns, batting at number four 97 with you know nearly 50 in the middle 150 and and two good scores in the middle you know a, a solid whole team batting lineup first innings and what we said millions of times man if you get first innings runs you know you're going to you're going to win more games than you lose and that's exactly exactly what happened so you know from a from a Derby's point of view, there wasn't much to, much to write home about. But, you know, fair play to Worcester. They've got a win on the board and I'm sure Mo and Ali will be back soon um, to strengthen their their lineup uh,
2: for the back end of this tournament. Warwickshire uh, beating Nottinghamshire by 170 runs. This was really tightly, tightly contested. Um, Lower-order runs from Warwickshire um, pushed them up to 341. Notts bowled out for 297. But it was the drama... I tell you what, everybody loves, I was going to say, it was the drama on the last day with Danny Briggs doing what a good spinner should do and winning it on the last day. Michael Burgess for Warwickshire produced an absolute gem off uh, Anand Dolby Um, down the leg side. Good, beautiful. And he he also made 80 in Warwickshire's second innings of 264. But uh, the Bears have, uh, that victory has uh, pushed them up to, it's a very, very tightly contested group, group one, Pushed them up to third place, but just seven points behind Essex, who were at top, not in second place on 102. So 107, 102, 100. Only seven points separating the top three teams now.
3: Yeah, it was a good game. It was a a good game. It looked as though, you know, at one point you're thinking it it could go either way. Um, But you're right, the stump, I think it was off Joe Clark. I think Clark was the batsman. It was a good piece of work. But Warwickshire, 30 from Norwood, 26 from Halland-Dolby. You know, 50-odd for the last for the last wicket in the first innings. Just took the game away from knots. That was the difference between the first innings, really, from Scores' point of view. Um, and then if you add that on to, or you take that off, what Warwickshire got and potentially not will be, be chasing. So that was a huge part of the game. Um, and like you say, Danny Briggs does what every good spinner should do. Once you get runs on the board, Spinner should, in theory, be good enough to bowl them out fourth innings. The fourth day, end of third day or fourth day, and Danny Briggs did that with
2: um, you know his left arm spinning, very, very, very experienced character. And finally, um, Essex back to winning ways. Gosh, they're having an up and down season, aren't they? But uh, winning more than they're losing. Uh, batting first, bowled out for 182, uh, with uh, young Michael Kyle Pepper top scoring with 92. Uh, and if you thought they had the backs to the wall, well, they've come out, didn't even use Simon Harmer. just needed the three seamers to bowl Durham out for 99. Um, they made 301 in the second innings with Adam Wheater making 81 and uh, Durham bowled out for 189 to lose by 195 runs. That's just a, That's just a bad three days at the office for Durham.
3: Yeah, it looked, it looked as though it was a good old Durham, Riverside wicket. The old corrugated one, that just does a bit. I think they're playing a little bit closer to the pavilion, which they do tend to do a little bit more. Um, I couldn't really work out where, where it was. Um, but, no, there was you see, some very, very good scene bowling. rushwood got four in the first innings, along with Ben Ryan bowling sort of 78 mile an hour, hit the top of our stump and say, right, the pitch is going to do the work. Ben Ryan gets a, five foot, a four foot in the first innings. And then he, he goes and gets a five for in the second inning. So, Ryan has nine wickets in the match, and he's on the losing side by 195 runs. So, tells you your batting is not good enough. Three scores of under 200 in the game. Um, it was a typical Durham pitch. A lot of cloud cover, and uh, the bowlers were on top. And it was always going to be one decent score. One big score was going to win the match. And I think Tender Tenduscarter at six, Wheater at seven, and Harmer at eight getting 55, 81 and 47 respectively, that is that is the game. That is the game in a nutshell. That's why they got 301 and, and Durham were nowhere near good enough to chase 385 uh, in the in the, the
2: fourth innings of the game. Three games ago, Durham were top of uh, Group 1. They're now in fifth place. So it's Essex, knots Warwickshire, as I said, 107, 100 200. And then Worcestershire, Durham, And Derbyshire in Group 2. Gloucestershire remain on top uh, despite losing, but only three points ahead of uh, Somerset in second place. Gloucester 107, Somerset 104 and Surrey 101 in third place. Hampshire, Leicestershire and Middlesex. Leicestershire and Middlesex a long way adrift. We'll come on to Group 3 in just a moment. Lancashire on top, the only undefeated team in the uh, county championship, but now with seven matches played, four wins. Yorkshire and Northants in second and third place. Lancs with 123 points, 24 ahead of Yorkshire. Lancashire win the Roses match with an innings and 79-run victory. Hard, hard attritional cricket, and it went deep into uh, the fourth day. Lancashire's first Roses victory at Old Trafford for 21 years. Amazing.
1: Wow. T-
2: Two thousand the last time they won. And lots and lots of good stories in this. Um, Obviously, Yorkshire, actually, Yorkshire were 40 for seven on on the first day before recovering to 159. Harry Duke, another young new face, wiki keeper, made 52. Lancashire then ground out an unforgiving 509 for nine. But uh, the Yorkies hung in there, weren't going to give it away in the second innings. Eventually, just Being dismissed before the close of play, 271. Saj Mahmood, 5 for 47. Yeah, um, runs for Keaton Jennings and Josh for they both got hundreds. Yeah, it was a good game, you
3: know, from a a Lancashire point of view, and we're watching it and thinking, geez, this might be finished on day one here, because they're just wickets. Every time I looked up at the TV, it was a wicket. Fantastic catch at the gully um, off Young Bailey. It was just. Liar, Yorkshire didn't turn up. Yorkshire, you just haven't turned up. 40 for 7, day one of a Roses game before lunch. You're not winning from, you're not really winning from there. So Lancashire look a decent side. Lancashire look like a good workman like team. And so, say Keaton Jennings batted a long time, batted a long time. 260 balls for his 114. Same with, with Young Bahanan. Um, and Don Best looked as though he, he worked hard. I watched a bit of best bowling and he worked hard. And you could see he was trying his his best. There's a a little I noticed a little little tweak. He was just fighting against himself more than anything else. But it'll come, it'll come. 43 overs, you get, he get bowled, which is you know, which is a lot of overs. He's getting overs under his belt. He batted well second innings. Um, but you know, the the Yorkshire boys look look miles away. And Saqib Mahmood Got his five for in the in the second innings, which was was brilliant for him. And Parkinson again, another good ball for Matt Parkinson, another good ball. Forty-two overs in that second innings, three for sixty-one, um, and he looks as always getting better and better. And you know, England are get a dry summer, possibly think about playing two spinners, look for a little bit of mystery. Well, Matt Parkinson's got over under overs under his belt. He's got wickets in the right column. Um, and he seems to be getting better and
2: better as the season's gone on. So you know, keep that going. Lancashire became the third county to win a thousand matches, first-class matches. That was their thousandth victory. And finally, a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago, I referred to Northamptonshire as uh, as having an an air of moneyball about them. You yeah. know, um, and some people thought that I was being derogatory, but in fact, I was attempting to to pay them the greatest tribute. Um, the film Moneyball, for those of you who don't know, is, uh, features uh, a, a baseball team uh, which is made up of the unwanted, the unloved, um, the old, the young, oh, <laughs> the, go, yeah. the infirm, <laughs> and they—it's um, it, a—it's a dispassionate assessment of what a player can offer in a specific area, um, and they concentrate on that. And and it doesn't. And you you put aside all emotions. You don't think whether somebody's forty, which Gareth Berg is, and you know just a really he made forty three again by the way. Mm. He's um, he's such a useful cricketer. But they beat Sussex by seven wickets, chasing two hundred and eighteen in uh, the fourth innings, and they they, they just won't go away, Northants, will they? No, they won't. Didn't You talk about the ones that you know weren't wanted. Well, Sanderson,
3: he wasn't wanted by I think Yorkshire. He gets five for 45 in this game off 18-0 with Simon Kerrigan, who had a, you know, a horrendous experience at, at the Oval playing for England, got released by by Lancashire, went and played a few minor counties. He's back playing, he's back to bowling. If he's playing first-class cricket, he's back to bowling well again, which is great to see, especially with the experience he had with England. You know, same as Wayne Parnell, he's done three or four counties now. Um, in Northampton, look as though they've got a... A good unit there aside that are tough to beat very very tough to beat um and again you talk about lower order runs the last wicket partnership in the first innings of 51 between Berg and sanderson and when you're looking at the the game not you know no score under 3 uh, no score over four, 300 it's it's valuable them lower order runs so you know that that was massive for them um and obviously they get over the line with five for seventy off thirty-four overs from Simon Kerrigan. You know he didn't get any wickets in the first innings. He gets five wickets in the second innings. And you talk about players who were either want unwanted, had bad experiences, the old, the young. Well, this seems to be working for for Northampton, um, and the lookers are a difficult side to beat.
2: Kerrigan's story is incredible. It was twenty thirteen, yeah. wasn't it, that uh, yeah. he made made his England debut, um, and he's. I mean, he uh, he knows the doldrums. Intimately, he knows his way around the doldrums because he spent years in them. Um, and that was his first FIFA, I think, for three or four years. I mean, just persistence and persistence and determination. But what it also takes is a club or a coach to put their arms around you, either literally or metaphorically, and believe in you and, uh, and, and give you that chance. Just so great to see him back. And
3: it is, it's fantastic to see him back and it's good. I've been at rock bottom a few times, been at positions where I didn't want to let go of the ball. You know, Don Best said a few weeks ago, he hated the game. Simon Kerrigan would have hated the game. I know for a fact I hated the game on a few occasions. I didn't want to let go of the ball. I had the yips and it was like, I don't know what to do now. You now that you feel as though your world's ending because your job's over and he's lost his job with Lancashire, got himself back in a position to love the game again started playing the game again properly. And you're right, Northampton put their arm around him. Very, very good captain. Very, very good coach. Looked after him. And he's now coming back to reward because what the reward is for Northampton and the coach and the captain is that this guy played for England. Simon Kerrigan was good enough to play for England. Forget what happened with England, but he got himself into contention and the selectors picked him for a test match. There's a good cricketer in there, a fantastic cricketer in there, and they're just got to try and get that out of him. And he's just getting five for EB on top of the world and good on him. Absolutely brilliant. I'm over the moon for Simon Kerrigan because I know what it's like at rock bottom when people are talking about you, people are discussing you, you're thinking about oh, what he's, he should be doing this and he should be doing that. But you, your personality, the person inside you just wants the, the, the sort of ground to open up. You fall in and just disappear off the face of the earth. I know what that feels like. I know where he's been, and what a great feeling it is to come out the other side and get a five foot and start rebuilding. And um,
2: it, it's good to see. I'm really pleased for him. As will every cricket lover, I think. Okay, it's time to hear now from uh, the ECB's Managing Director of Men's Cricket, Ashley Giles, who was speaking a couple of days ago to Harmy and uh, amongst other things, talking about the restructure of uh, England cricket, the challenges that bubbles have posed. Um, and reports a few days ago that the fifth test against India might have been moved to accommodate the conclusion of the IPL. He was uh, chatting to Harmi, speaking through IG, official partner to England Cricket. Ash,
3: thanks for joining us. Um, the way the, the sort of job description, job title you've got, managing director, talk about England captains being defined by sort of roles you've got. Is, is yours the same? If you look at or has has um has COVID changed that with regards of you know what you're trying to build for? If I look at some like Strauss, you had they were they were fixed on the World Cup 2019. This is our goal, change the game for it. Has yours changed with COVID and do you look at things like that? I think all our roles have changed with
7: COVID. I'm not sure what I did before COVID, to be honest. With <laughs> I, I don't have any time now. I must have had loads of time on my hands because most of it's spent you know, we're talking about protocols and, and layers of security and, and keeping our people safe, et cetera, which, you know, is absolutely the most important thing. But we've got to, at the same time, keep an eye on our long-term strategy. And And in this case, you know, we're, we're very much heading towards T20 World Cup and, and Ashes next year. And that is tricky because, you yeah, know, we've got so much cricket, the schedule's so busy. But, um, you know, look, we're, we're very much pointed in that direction right now and and most of our conversations thankfully still more than more than talking about the pandemic are about that are about improving our players making sure we've got the right systems and support in place making sure the welfare and well-being and you know it, it, of all our people players and and staff is absolutely you know where we want it to be so yeah look i'm 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 pretty happy i mean i, I can't believe i'm in into the third year in this role I'm very lucky that I've got some very good people around me in terms of direct reports, and we've got some really, really good players.
3: And one of the one of the persons who isn't there anymore, um, that role's gone now. The the sort of head selector of, of Ed Smith, that comes just under underneath yourself from our time when we played Duncan Fletcher, Trevor Beales. Just after that, didn't see a great deal of sort of county cricket. With this change, is there a worry that the coach, the selection panel? Will not have seen enough players coming in, new coming into the system, into the dressing room.
7: Well, I, I think the, the the eras are quite different in that even when we played whatever that was, 15 years ago, to 20 years ago, and 25 years ago, we didn't have the the support systems underneath or the intelligence, if you like, in terms of the intelligence gathering systems that, that we have now. I mean, you know, I, I'm sitting here with my iPad, and and uh, I wouldn't while I'm talking to you, Army, of course, but I could pull up. <laughs> yeah, any football in the country that's been involved, well, way back when. So I can look at any player's stats and, and go into details about, OK, how do they play out with back foot, front foot? And that isn't really my role, but that's a resource available to all our coaches and staff and to Chris. Um, on top of that, you know we've now got the scouting network. James Taylor's moved into this role of head scout. So he's still very much is accountable uh, for his recommendations to the head coach. You know, has the head has the head coach ever really had an opportunity to to see a lot of cricket? No, but it doesn't mean you know you necessarily put another layer in to to um, take care of that. I've said this before, I you know I think it I think it makes it cleaner. I think it brings it up to date with other sports and I think it makes it very clear on on accountability.
3: And the the cricket that is coming up there was a lot of talk last year whether how much the ECB potentially would lose potentially this year, if there wasn't crowds back in 18,000 each day, potentially at Edgebaston, your home ground. How good is it to see, you know, the, 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 players like, so potentially James Bracey who's going to make his test debut, play in front of crowds again, because some of the test players haven't played in front of crowds. No, I mean,
7: and you know what it's like, the, the difference. And yeah, you know, some of these guys haven't played in front of crowds at home for, for two years. And, um, yeah, everyone's different, than, but most of our guys just eat that up. They, they're performers and they they live and play to perform to crowds. Um, I think they've dealt with that incredibly well over the last this last period and, and just focused and got on with their cricket, but uh, I, I'm certainly going to be there probably for, for a couple of days at least because I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing and hearing the atmosphere. I mean, I was watching the football last night and just seeing people back in the grounds and hearing that real noise rather than than canned noise um, is fantastic. You know, um, the the most important thing still, of course, is keeping everyone safe, both from a public point of view and 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 our guys. But um, you know, I'm I'm just pleased to see we're moving in the right direction.
3: And it's selection, there's a selection dilemma this week because obviously, uh, Folks gets injured. You bring um, young Hamid back in to the group as well as Sam Billings and Sam, but so we, a lot of people asking questions about the Sam Billings selection, not because he hasn't played a lot of first class cricket, but because he was part of the IPL contingent that was out there. And the rest of them were, it was said that weren't really up for selection. How close were you to bringing back some of that at Josh Butler, especially with the the, the sort of nature of the group you've got?
7: Look, those, those comms are very clear between um, Chris Silverwood and all of those players. and, We were all very much agreed on on erring on caution Um, with the winters and the times these guys have spent away and in bubbles and in quarantine um, that they spent some time away from cricket. And that was uh, agreed between say, the head coach and them. Um, But we also said at the same time, if if players had a strong view on, on jumping back in, can't really stop them. We can't, we, you know. And, and um, Sam Billings, that's exactly what he wanted to do. He's been back playing for Kent. And in this instance, you know, it's unlucky, really unlucky for, for Ben Folkes. Uh, He's got an opportunity to step up and, and join the squad. So good for him. Doesn't change any of the thinking on the other guys. We wouldn't pressurise them. If you make the decision for the right reasons, why does that decision change, you know, with, with, with an injury? we've um, With the cricket we've got coming up in the long term, Again, one of the really important things is things that is that we, we look after our guys.
3: And somebody else I want to talk about. We mentioned about players and welfare and well-being. Uh, Don Best said just I think it was at Sussex just before he got six for. He, he came out of the comment of hitting the game. Now I understood what he said by that, and I know you did because we've we've both been in situations where we've we've had our struggles. But is there a fine balance between players hitting the game? And it getting on top of them and it being such a negative effect because of the bubble life and everything that comes with it. But also, do you have to look at the fine line that there are times where it is a hard game to play. We do play a difficult game. Um, And marrying the balance between the two from a management point of view, how difficult has that been over the course of the last, say, 24 months?
7: Uh, Incredibly difficult. And I think the most difficult thing, you've mentioned a, a few of the things you're juggling with. You're juggling with protecting Revenues, if you like, and I know it sounds—you know—you're not talking about people there, but it has to be something that we we have a focus on because the revenues in at the top end of the game that the England men's team bring in protect the whole game, you know, all the counties, all our systems, even down to grassroots. So there's a big responsibility there, and I'm proud of the role our guys have played in that. But you know, you're juggling also with with this bit around, definitely around the well-being of, of our people, which. I take very seriously and you know, being away from families for long periods, just being locked in rooms. I don't know whether you've experienced it, Amit, but mm-hmm. the quarantine is just a really weird situation scenario. Yeah. Locked in your room for seven days, ten days, and guys are doing this numerous times. It takes a toll on the individual. So, yeah, it is very difficult. Uh, and, and myself, Chris wood and, and the rest of management, though, take the opinion that if, if we... You know, we have to look after our guys now to reap the rewards in the long term. If we don't, if we get it wrong now, we're not going to turn up at T20 World Cup or the Ashes in any sort
3: of shape. And you talk about T20 World Cups and Ashes and the way COVID's been, the world has to be flexible. I think the cricket world has to understand to be flexible. Was there, I know there was a report to the BCCI potentially moving the last test match to just accommodate things. How serious, how close conversations were they had? Did you you feel we had to try and do something to help the game of cricket? Well, we've had
7: nothing official from BCCI. we work very closely with them, um, Cricket Australia, and all the other boards around the world. uh, And we all understand there's pressure to deliver the future tours programme as well as the different events that are are on, whether it be IPL or PSL, Big Bash, or in our case this year, the 100. So we understand those pressures. There was nothing official came in. And so at the moment, we're just planning for... What is a really busy schedule, five test matches against India and then, uh, you know, a, a busy winter of Bangladesh, Pakistan, T 20 World Cup, Ashes and then West Indies, which I think you'll enjoy.
3: Yeah, we definitely enjoy the West Indies. But two, you, you talk about India and, I'm sorry, Pakistan and, and Bangladesh. Is the Are they are still bang in focus, going ahead? Our players are going there no matter when the IPL is rescheduled? Yeah, at the moment, yeah, I
7: mean, uh, if well, if you look at the IPL issue, as I said before, it's it's just a case of we we have a very full future tours program. So as soon as we finish against India, there's only about four or five days until the squad leaves for Bangladesh and then Pakistan and then on as I, as I talked about. So, you know, if we do anything to to look after our our multi-format cricketers, if we leave them out at any point in that period, it wouldn't make sense that we're leaving them out to go to a domestic competition. So. Mm. It's a it is a tricky balance, but at the moment that schedule is set. We've got to remain nimble and agile as we have throughout COVID. But you know, because we don't we don't know what's around the corner sometimes. But at the moment, that's what we've got.
3: And put your put your players hat back on just for a second there. Left arm spin, Jack Leach. Bit of a lot of illness and injury. Talk about defining roles and defining years. You know yourself. You know the India massive Ashes massive. How important is Jack to the England cricket team? Have you had a chat with him? Spoke to him about good times and bad times you've had, and going into these big stages because you know it's important that we have a spinner who can you know help and control the control the game for our captain. Yeah, we actually spoke to him
7: yesterday. Uh, I spoke to him a number of times over the winter. Yeah, as a left-arm spinner rather than than his boss. I'm delighted for him the way it turned out in India for him. You know, we we uh well Sri Lanka and India we saw you know how Pant took to him in that first innings of that series. It, mm. you know, the, the character and the mental strength he showed to bounce back from that and have the series he did, absolutely delighted. And 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 both in in Jack and in Dom, you know, we've we've got options there, and of course Moe and Ali as well as as more of the all-round option. So it's it's great it's a great competition but yeah just talking about jack of, of course just delighted the success he's had and doesn't matter where we're going you know in, in australia there's going to be an important role to play for a spinner
3: Ashton bar for talk Sport, and myself more importantly i wish you all the best i hope you have a great summer um and things go smoothly especially with people coming back into the ground
2: thanks mate take care good to see you ECB's managing director of men's cricket, Ashley Giles, speaking to Harmy through IG, official partner to England cricket. He's doing a good job, isn't he, Harmy? He's doing a fantastic job, absolutely brilliant job. And the, the problem he
3: had, and it was a big problem, the person that he followed did a magnificent job. And that's always the hardest thing. Sir Andrew Strauss did a fantastic job for English cricket. I always knew with Straussy or with Gilo at the helm, English cricket would be in good, good hands. And I still think they're in, they're in fantastic hands. And long may that continue, long may it continue because he's a brilliant bowler, Ashley Giles. He was a great teammate and he was an even better bloke. And I think running English cricket, I think will he'll, he'll do he's doing and will do
2: a, a brilliant, brilliant job. Fingers crossed it continues. Just one sleep to go before the first test of the summer. You've been listening to the cricket collective here on Talk Sport Two.